Welcome to the Retirement Oasis, a podcast that helps you enjoy, plan, and visualize a retirement lifestyle defined by you. Your hosts and fiduciary financial planners, Mel Bond and Steve Martin, are here to offer wisdom and encouragement along with financial and lifestyle ideas for your journey into the best season of life. And now at the helm today, your hosts, Mel Bond and Steve Martin. Thank you so much and welcome again to the Retirement Oasis. In this episode, we're going to cover one of, if not the best, tax planning vehicles available today. We're going to be talking about health savings accounts. And to help us cover this important topic, we have our resident tax expert, Steve Martin, with us. Hello, everybody. Looking forward to talking about uh, this important strategy. Oh, that sounds like a tax expert, doesn't it? In addition to being a CFP practitioner, Steve is a CPA, Certified Public Accountant, and he has a master's in tax, and he leads the tax planning strategies for our clients here at Oasis Wealth Planning. And amongst those strategies is today's topic, health savings accounts. So let me tell you, there are some good tax planning strategies, and then there are a few great tax planning strategies. And today, we're going to review what I think is probably a great tax planning strategy for many people. Of course, it doesn't work for everyone, and how you implement it is important, and we're going to cover those topics. So in today's episode, we're going to review the basics of a health savings account, the potential benefits of this strategy, and the key things to think about for implementing it. As always, you should consult your own tax advisor as it relates to your individual situation, because we don't know if this strategy makes sense for you and your situation, or if it might make sense at some time in your future. So consult your own tax advisor before making decisions on this. Now, let's get into the basics of a health savings account. Steve, give us just a high-level idea of what is a health savings account. And I might add, we're going to use this phrase HSA, health savings account, pretty often in here. So that's what the HSA means, health savings account. So Steve, give us a high level view of, of what this is. Yeah, it's basically an investment account where you contribute up to a certain dollar amount each year on a tax favored basis. And you use the investments for qualified medical expenses down the road, ideally on a tax favored basis. It's pretty simple. Yeah, pretty simple. We're putting money in now and we can use it later. Who would be eligible to use a health savings account? Well, first, yeah, the the primary eligibility requirement is that you must be enrolled in a health insurance program that is deemed a high deductible plan. So it's got to be a qualified health insurance policy. Okay. And I assume here in a few minutes, we're going to define what a high deductible plan is, right? Yep, absolutely. Okay. Now, some of us have had a flexible spending account available to us as a benefit of employment. And so I know I'm familiar with a flexible spending account and have used it in the past. That sounds like an HSA, right? I put money into it and then I can pull that money out for qualified medical expenses. So how does a... HSA health savings account compared to a flexible spending account? Great question. Yeah. The main difference is that with an 
FSA, the money has to be used up generally by March of next year. So you save throughout the year through your employer's plan, and you have to keep your receipts, turn in those receipts by March of next year to get reimbursed. If you don't turn in those receipts or have qualified expenses, you use use it or lose it. Again, it's got to be qualified expenses to get that back in. You have to turn in kind of a form stating what your expenses are. So if you don't have those qualified expenses, you lose the money. It goes back into the kitty for for others or the corporation deems where it goes. But you are out of pocket, and a lot of people have been burnt. I was burnt early in my career with this. When HSAs weren't around, I just did not keep good records. I lost my contributions, and that does not feel good. Whereas with a health savings account, it doesn't have to be used by March of next year. That's one key point. And it doesn't necessarily have to be used for qualified medical expenses. There are other tax breaks, uh, more tax breaks if you do indeed use it for qualified medical expenses. But the short period of time and the record keeping in that short period of time is not as critical. Okay. Now we mentioned this, uh, the high, the requirement that you be enrolled in a high deductible health insurance plan. So certainly that's important as far as determining who's eligible to use one now, but we're talking about dollars here. Is there a limit to how much money I can put into a health savings account uh, each year or how, whatever the frequency is? Yes. Uh, and it depends on the kind of plan. If it's a single plan or a single individual. So your spouse or kids are not on your health insurance plan. The single filer limitations or the single plan limitations are for the 2022, 3,650. Those are going up to 3,850, 3,850 for 23. And then for a family plan, and that uh, is deemed when either a spouse is on your plan and or your kids, that's currently 7,300 you can contribute. Next year, that's going up to 7,750. Uh, plus, if you're 55 and over, not 50 and over, but 55 and over for HSAs, you can contribute an extra $1,000 per year. So so for a family in 2023, you can contribute up to 8300 for those that are 55 and over. That's, uh, that's a pretty significant amount all of a sudden that you can contribute on a tax-favored basis. And just a word of note too, Mel, uh, we've seen this. You do need to coordinate it if if both spouses are engaged in this multiple employer plan. You know, there might be one spouse uh, with kids on one insurance plan, and then the other spouse has their own plan through their work. You cannot contribute more than that maximum family plan. Uh, So coordination is the key when there are multiple insurance policies and multiple ways to save to a health savings account. Okay. Well, and about those numbers, of course, these amounts are indexed to inflation, and the IRS publishes every year uh, what the new numbers will, as far as the limits go for next year, and we'll uh, reference those in our um, show notes. Well, we've there's a reason we're talking about health savings accounts today, and that's because there are some overall some really tremendous benefits here. Some of those benefits uh, from implementing a health savings account or having a health savings account, maybe that's a way to say it, would be that you can minimize your taxes. You could have lower insurance premiums. And uh, speaking of those tax benefits, let's explore what I understand to be the four primary 
tax advantages of having a health savings account. And those four are a deduction or deferral for the contribution against ordinary income taxes, a deduction for FICA tax purposes for uh, having a health savings account through an employer, tax deferred growth, and tax-free distributions. So Steve, why don't you walk us through these advantages? Yeah, that's a great summary. So let's look at the tax deferral or deduction benefit. That can be pretty significant. And just as an aside, though, a contribution to an HSA through your employer, technically, it's a deferral and not a deduction per se. It does not show up or is not included in box one of your W-2. Now, if you had your HSA outside of work, not through your workplace, and that is possible to have an individual HSA, uh, then this shows up as a tax deduction on your tax return. So they're treated a little bit differently. For the most part, the effect is the same, except for another uh, an interesting point I'll touch on in just a bit. But in general, I'll talk about this benefit as a tax deduction. You know, and a benefit of that tax deduction is not only can the uh, you maybe get a deduction at a higher rate now versus later, uh, you know, higher rate during your working years, but the compound benefits of minimizing taxes earlier, that's where this tax deduction can can really be beneficial. And especially when you factor in the some of the state tax benefits, if, if you know, generally a, a state tax deduction as well, that adds to the benefits. You know, the second benefit you mentioned from a tax perspective, Mel, is that FICA tax benefit. You know, for employees, that, that benefit percentage, it can range from 1.4% to 7.65%, right? That's the amount of uh, tax that is on, you know, the, the, the Medicare and the Social Security uh, taxes. It depends on what your level of wages are. If your wages are over that Social Security wage base, so that's 147000 in 2022. The, the tax benefit is really just that Medicare amount of 1.4%. But if it's under 147000 then it could be up to a 7.65% benefit from a FICA tax benefit. So that's important. This FICA benefit is often underlooked. So again, pretty big break there with the uh, FICA tax benefit. This tax deferred growth. So just like with a traditional IRA or a Roth IRA, the growth on the earnings aren't taxed while the funds remain inside the health savings account. You know, since taxes are not a, you know, I call it a leaky expense, it's not leaked out, that again allows even for more compounding. You know, the interest, dividends, capital gains, those aren't taxed. So that compounding can be even more beneficial. So that the savings can really add up, you know, 8,000 a year, 4,000, whatever it ends up being, along with this compound growth on a tax-deferred basis can result in pretty significant savings. You know, Steve, I might pitch in here. Yeah. When we think about our flexible spending account and we're compare, you know, we were comparing the flexible spending account to the health savings account, we have in our brains that the flexible spending account, the money goes in and it has to come out by March of the next year, right? Or I'm going to lose the money. But it's not so with the health savings account. And so this tax deferred growth means the money can go in and grow and grow and grow for years to come. So that is a big difference between the flexible spending account and the health savings account. Yep, exactly. Yeah, that that does result in a significant difference. Great point. And the final benefit, uh, FSAs do have this benefit, again, short period of time, but HSAs definitely tax-free distributions if the account is ultimately used for qualified medical expenses. 
So again, not only is it tax deferred growth, like say a traditional IRA or a Roth IRA, but the tax-free distributions are like a Roth IRA. But again, they've got to be used for qualified medical expenses. But to have that tax-free distribution is quite significant. Now, you can wait until you're age 65 and and withdraw it and avoid penalties if it's not used for qualified medical expenses. But to get the tax-free distribution, it needs to be used for qualified medical expenses. And that's really where the, uh, where the larger benefit is. So if at all possible, you need to use that for qualified medical expenses. Well, and then if you don't, right, there's a, if you pull the money out and it's not for qualified medical expenses, there's a tax there, I guess. Yeah, good point. I meant to mention that. Yep, 10% penalty if you pull it out before age 65, if it's not for qualified medical expenses. Now, after age 65, and also it's subject to ordinary income taxes at that point, right? So the 10% penalty and ordinary income taxes apply pre-age 65. After age 65, if it's not used for those qualified expenses, then you don't have to pay the penalty, but you're still, the earnings are still subject to the ordinary income tax rates. Okay. That's very helpful. Now, several times you use this phrase, qualified medical expenses, qualified medical expenses. Give us an idea of what that phrase uh, comprises. When I think about that myself, what's included in the list of qualified medical expenses? Yeah, I won't review the list exhaustively. It is in IRS Publication 502, 502, and we'll have a link to that. It's uh, for those uh, code code heads out there. It's uh, Internal Revenue Code 213D, uh, but they include laboratory fees, uh, prescription and non-prescription drugs, uh, dental treatment qualifies, um, eyeglasses, hearing aids. So those do qualify. They can be used also to cover health insurance deductibles and co-payments in some cases. But over-the-counter medications generally aren't deemed qualified medical expenses unless they're prescribed by a physician. In health insurance premiums, circling back at that, in some cases they do qualify, but uh, but many times they do not. The Health insurance premiums that qualify as qualified medical expenses are COBRA coverage, qualified long-term care insurance, health coverage maintained while receiving unemployment compensation, and Medicare insurance. So not Medicap policies in retirement, but Medicare premiums do qualify for uh, for those eligible expenses. Oh, that's pretty cool. Uh, now, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I, first of all, thank you for giving me a new term, codehead. I guess that's what somebody who loves the Internal Revenue Code. Yes. But I'm going to ask you, our resident code head, these Medicare insurance premiums, if you pay the um, IRMA extra cost for your Medicare insurance, is that also uh, deemed uh, a qualified medical expense for HSAs? Yeah, good. I like your thinking. I like your uh, putting on your tax cap, but no, those would not qualify as qualified medical expenses. Uh, Making Irma just a little bit more of a pain for everyone. Yeah. Now, there are a few other benefits. I think maybe we didn't cover insurance premiums, right? Uh, Because you're in a high deductible insurance plan, those insurance premiums are probably less than a plan that's not high deductible. Uh, Any comments about that? Yeah, sometimes that's significant. That's often ignored, right? People look at the deductibles uh, and compare that. But yeah, the insurance premium costs may, can be quite a bit different, but it depends on the plan. Sometimes they're not 
that different, but it is part of the analysis in deciding whether or not to participate in the high deductible and health savings account. Well, and, and that means that uh, each family will need to calculate for themselves how much they're using their health insurance and whether they would benefit from having these uh, greatly reduced insurance premiums uh, while subjecting themselves to higher deductible amounts, you know, things they have to pay for themselves. Uh, I know my wife and I have a, a, a health insurance plan that's essentially a high deductible plan, kind of functions that way. And, uh, you know, we go to pick up a prescription and uh, we're paying more than someone who has a, a low copay on that prescription, but we're saving hundreds of dollars every month in uh, health insurance premiums. Absolutely. Uh, so everybody has to do their own calculation on that. But so what about employers? I've heard that uh, employers might be contributing to health savings accounts in order to help to in order to encourage employees to take these high deductible plans. That's right. Yeah, about half the employers uh, do have a match or sometimes just an outright contribution to an HSA because they can save quite a bit themselves if more employees do pursue a high deductible plan. So that's another enticement. Usually it's anywhere from $700 or so for a single plan to $1,300 for uh, for the contribution from the employer for those that do. So it's not insignificant. It can add up. So another factor to use in the evaluation of whether or not to pursue the high deductible HSA combo. Yeah, very good. Well, so I think that covers our, our list of uh, advantages for the health savings account. Are there any disadvantages we should be aware of? Yeah, the big one, of course, you've alluded to it. I alluded to it. It's that insurance deductible is higher, right? Just in the definition, high deductible plan. So that means if you're using uh, the insurance quite a bit, you've got a lot of expenses, understand, like you said earlier, understand what your history is or potential use of the insurance. So if you have big ex expense costs coming up and now you've got to cover it more out of pocket, that's a factor. It doesn't mean you don't want to do the high deductible plan. You got to weigh the tax benefits, the the matching, the lower premium cost with this potential higher out-of-pocket cost with the higher deductible that you might have with a high deductible plan. So that's one one disadvantage. That's the biggest one. The other disadvantage somewhat is the you do need to do a little more administration. You need to keep track of your health, your health, qualified medical expenses that could qualify either now or in the future. I and mean, as we talk to our clients all the time, hey, you can keep your receipts for expenses that occurred in 2022 if you're on a health savings account now and use them when you're in your 70s. Uh, so you want to keep track, you know, those receipts are gold tracking your expenses are golden later on because you are going to need enough qualified expenses to cover what hopefully is a pretty significant health savings account by the time you retire. Yeah, those receipts are like your uh, are like a check. You know, if you want to withdraw money out of your health savings account in a tax free manner, you don't write a check for it. You submit a receipt, and so you hold on to those receipts because the amount of those receipts is the amount of checks you can write to pull money tax free out of the health savings account. Well, if you decide to enroll in a high deductible insurance plan and enroll in a health savings account. There's got to be a number of considerations to take into account about the setup and during the whole life of that account. So uh, can you give us an idea of 
some of those key considerations? Yeah, you alluded to this earlier, Mel. The general goal is to allow the funds to remain in this tax-free bucket that we call the health savings account as long as possible. You know, the more you can get tax-free growth, the better it can compound, right? And tax-free compounding is the best kind of compounding. Uh, And we'll touch on it. In some cases, it might make sense to withdraw it a little bit earlier, but for the most part, letting it stay in there as long as possible can be beneficial, but you don't want to get too greedy because if you pass away with too large of a balance in the HSA, the account would then go to the beneficiary, and that could have pretty disastrous, in some cases, income tax consequences. Now, if it goes to the spouse, spouse can roll it over into his or her name. No issues there. No taxation at that point. Spouse can use it for his or her own uh, qualified medical expenses at that point. But if it goes to a child, let's say, the funds have to be distributed within the next year. And that, you know, that could be a one lump sum, could result in larger taxes depending on the, the beneficiary's tax bracket. You don't have that same stretch possibilities that you do with an IRA. It's got to be distributed within uh, that that next year. So be mindful of not getting too greedy on the withdrawals, but in general, try to stretch that out. And, and some commentators, I've seen this, they're not too concerned about having too large of an HSA in later years because it can be used for the potentially much higher qualified medical expenses in later years, right? There can be some major medical expenses Say in the last, you know, six months or year or two years in your life, you may uh, go into a long-term care facility, and some of those expenses could qualify. Uh, but a cautionary, yeah, that is a possibility. That could be a hell mary, if you will, if you have a large account balance. But it's not always the case, and you know, the majority of cases uh, don't have those large expenses. So don't get too greedy there. You want some kind. Uh, you you want the tax-free. Benefits, tax-free distributions for qualified medical expenses. Yeah, the the longer you can wait, the better, but don't get too greedy with that. (laughs) Right. Don't get too greedy. And the Um, other thing, too, I meant to mention, Mel, is that, you know, you could lose the receipts. You know, if you wait too long, uh, if you don't communicate with anybody about where the receipts are for those qualified medical expenses, you know, you've accumulated all those receipts and the the, uh, delayed using the HSA. Gosh, you know, if you wait to your... 90s after a couple of moves here and there, you know, that shoebox is lost, if you will, that spreadsheet is lost and that can be be disastrous. Yeah, very good. Very good point. Well, uh, it comes to my mind, uh, since investments are something I think about quite a bit, that uh, if you're going to put money into the health savings account, let it grow tax free for several years, you want it to grow. And that happens by the proper asset allocation for that health savings account. So give us some thoughts there. I know I've got some thoughts, so I may jump in here as well. Yeah, why, why don't you some uh, take that, Mel? You're our investment specialist. Why don't you touch on that? Okay, well, I do have some thoughts, and you jump in if you have something to add. Well, obviously, uh, it, if you're investing for long-term growth, the best investment for that is stocks. Of course, we believe in, and most HSAs require that stock investment to be in some type of mutual fund. So you're broadly diversified for the most part. Uh, you, The choices that you have for that HSA through an employer, let's say, may be somewhat limited, like you might have with your 401k. 
but there are choices for you to move your your HSA to a place that literally is like having a you know an investment account at, at a custodian and you can have the world of investments at in front of you which can be good or bad depending on what you buy but it, it's often that it, it, that we don't pay enough attention to how this asset allocation works and we have seen accounts just sit in cash for for quite a while and we ask a, a new client about it and they're like oh i've had this hsa for years and been contributing and oh it's just been sitting in cash for for years and and we won't go too much into the weeds of choosing an asset allocation here but i will reference uh what you hear us talk about our matching approach basically if that health savings account is not going to be touched for 10 or more years it probably could be all in the stock market. But then when you uh, are getting close to several years before the date, when you're going to start be pulling money out, you're going to want to begin to add some more uh, bond funds and, and even some more uh, sort of stable value and cash type money as you get right up into the years where you're going to start taking distributions. So we treat the health savings account and, and allocation-wise just like we do the retirement portfolio portfolio, but it's all, instead of having a retirement date that you're starting to pull money out, you can choose when you want to start taking money out of the health savings account. And you kind of reference the tax uh, advantage strategies of, of withdrawals. So maybe that's a, enough for the asset allocation. Steve, jump in there if you have anything else to add. Otherwise, the next question I had, do we get an HSA through an Employer, you mentioned that uh, if we don't want have one available through the employer, or maybe I'm getting my health insurance from my spouse. What are what are my choices there about getting one on my own through an employer? Let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, you you may have the choice to go through your employer or on your own. Just like with a retirement plan, you could do an IRA in some cases. You know, outside through your employer if they either if they have the 401k or not, but same is the case with HSA. So if you if you have a high deductible plan, again, you've got to have that to be qualified. So if you have that through work and work offers an HSA, it probably makes sense to go through work, that health savings account through work, because the big advantage of going through your workplace as an employer or as an employee is that you also get the FICA tax benefit. That's the distinguishing feature, one of them, between doing the HSA through your employer or on your own. If you have those choices, go through your employer in general. But if you have the option to do a high deductible plan still through your employer or on your own, and you don't have the HSA option through work, we've seen that in some cases, you can still establish an HSA on your own. Again, kind of like an outside IRA. It has generally the same tax benefits. Again, the only tax benefit it doesn't have is that you do not get that FICA tax break. And there's various platforms to use the, uh, to establish the health savings account. Won't touch on those. Uh, we will have links to some of those through our show notes. Okay. You know, we've talked a little bit about the fact that this is a great tax saving strategy. And it seems like it's kind of like a 401k or IRA and a Roth, right? Money can go in tax-free like you can with a, an IRA or a 401k, but it can it's going to grow tax-free and come out tax-free like a Roth. So compare this health savings account to other retirement plan savings. 
Yeah, you still obviously want to participate in the 401k to the extent you can, and usually at least up to the match in the 401k, right? That's free money, whereas you may not be getting that with the HSA. But the HSA is so good, I would argue that after you make the contribution to get the match in the 401k, the HSA, if you had to limit the contributions to both, the HSA should probably take next in precedence in terms of your savings. Because again, it can be really looked at as a retirement vehicle for qualified medical expenses. Nevertheless, it's a great vehicle to save for retirement. So that's the priority I would look at in terms of savings to these different retirement plans. But hopefully you can save and maximize to both of them. Yeah. And uh, again, I want to remind everyone when we say, oh, in the future, when I have qualified medical expenses, I can pull money out of my HSA. Well, remember all those receipts you've been accumulating. Uh, those are your checks to pull money out of the HSA. So you could have several years of good health in retirement, early in retirement, but you've got receipts from prior medical expenses uh, and you can submit those and pull money out of the HSA at any time. Now, you you mentioned that someone has limited cash and, and they want to contribute or, or positive cash flow and they want to contribute to a 401k at work and contribute to an HSA. You, you kind of alluded to that priority there. We have seen other clients and talk to others whose cash flow, their cash flow to go into savings might be somewhat constrained. So is there anything else you want to talk about there about kind of making those decisions? Yeah. If cash flow is truly constrained and you're going to need the money right away and you don't have other resources, yeah, you shouldn't save to really any of these kind of retirement plans, whether 401k or HSA, because but more than likely, there's going to be a 10% penalty on pulling it out too early, and you're subject to ordinary income taxes on the earnings. So certainly make sure you understand what your needs are. Don't don't save just because financial planners like us say you need to think about tomorrow. Look at your own cash flow situation. But you know, if if there are struggles to save and maybe you're spending too much on different lifestyle needs, you know, check your lifestyle expenses first and try to save as much as possible because Really, you should be trying to save a pretty significant amount of 401ks and HSAs, you know, early and often, if you will. So first check your budget. But then if the budget truly does limit you for a variety of reasons, then, yeah, you don't want to over contribute to these HSAs to uh, trigger some penalties later on. Yeah, very, very good point. Another comparison about comparing health savings accounts to retirement plan savings is like I get to retirement, I can take my 401k if it's a good choice, and and roll it into a rollover IRA, five 401ks from uh, several different prior employers, I can roll all of those into one rollover IRA. Can we roll over our health savings account at retirement? You can, yeah. There's different platforms for individuals, and it's probably worth looking at because like 401ks, uh, you may be limited on your investment choices inside the employer's HSA platform, if you will, and the cost might be higher. So look for ways to potentially roll that over out into your individual HSA, more investment choices. You can tailor the asset allocation more to your needs. So certainly consider that as an option. It's done fairly simple. Again, a trustee to trustee transfer, don't cash it out, but kind of roll it over, as you said. And it is an account, right? Health savings account. Yes. So you can open up another health savings account 
and have those assets go from account to account without touching your hands. Uh, touching your hands, right, is or taking a distribution would be taxable. So that's that trustee to trustee transfer you're talking about. Yeah. You know, I thought about several people who decide to retire uh, or can retire before age 65. Of course, at age 65, they sign up for Medicare and they can't have a, a health savings account with Medicare, I don't think. So you could touch on that. But what about, okay, I'm going to retire, let's say at age 62, leaving my employer and and they had a high deductible plan I was using and a and a health savings account that I was contributing to. But now I got three years from that retirement date before Medicare starts. Talk about that period of time there. Yeah. You know, first question is, you know, what kind of health insurance makes sense? You have a lot more choices to make, you know, whether the ACA plans, um, there's some special plans in other states that you don't have to go through HSA. There's the um, health insurance uh, sharing, really not health insurance, but cost sharing arrangements like MediShare that could be an option. Big decision is whether or not, again, a high deductible plan makes sense for you. It depends on all of those options. But, but let's say a high deductible plan did make sense where well, you can still contribute to a health savings account, even if you don't have earned income. That surprises a lot of folks with an IRA. As we all know, you need to have earned income to be able to contribute to that. But with an HSA, that is not the case. And you still may have may still have income from other sources to give you that tax deduction benefits. But again, a bigger benefit or another huge benefit is that tax-free growth with the HSA. So point is, in your pre-Medicare years, early retirement, still consider whether or not saving to an HSA makes sense for you. Very good. I did think about this flexible spending account and a health savings account. And, and I know we kind of touched this earlier, but but it, this thought came to me and I thought we ought to bring it up. Can I have both in, in the same year? You cannot. That's a great point. You can't contribute. You cannot contribute to both a typical medical flexible spending account and an HSA in the same year. Otherwise, some penalties could apply. So make sure you don't do that. Not all employers' administrative records uh, prevent you from doing that. So you've got to really put the onus on yourself to make sure you don't contribute to both. You can contribute to this limited flexible spending account, kind of dental and vision, but for the regular medical flexing and spending account, you cannot contribute in the same year that you contribute to an HSA. Okay. That's, that's good. Well, I'm glad I asked. After looking at these benefits and some of the disadvantages and, and the various uh, factors to take under consideration here, uh, you might be wondering whether you should contribute to a health savings account. And while this is a very individualized question, I think it makes sense for many individuals to uh, look into it. It's a matter of weighing all of these potential tax benefits and the cost of insurance premium savings or the, the, the savings from the insurance premiums versus those extra costs that you have when you have a high deductible plan. And I might mention that this isn't a once and done decision. Uh, some people say, well, I, I have some medical issues that are not emergencies and I need to take care of those. So I'm going to go to a normal plan with a copay uh, for a year, have those medical procedures done that year. And then the next year, I'm going to go back to the high deductible plan. And so you do have a choice there with your employer to go back and forth. And not only do you make that decision based on your own medical situation, 
but also your income tax situation, both currently and your your tax situation in the future. So all of those uh, factors come into play for yourself. Um, take time to properly analyze this decision. Uh, get some tax help if you need to in making this decision and evaluate it from that long-term perspective, not just what this year is, but how is this going to this decision going to benefit me in the long term? So thanks so much for joining us today at the Retirement Oasis. For more information, please go to theretirementoasis.com, where you can find links to additional resources that we mentioned in this episode. If you need guidance and encouragement in planning for your individual retirement, and you want a fresh approach from fiduciary professionals, please visit our firm's website today at oasiswealthplanning.com and uh, schedule a time to visit with us if you would like. Also, if you really liked what you heard, please visit your favorite podcast platform. Give us a rating and a review. We really appreciate it. It helps us share with others what has helped you. And until next time, we wish you clarity, confidence, and cheer on the way to your retirement oasis. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Retirement Oasis podcast. You can find more episodes and resources at theretirementoasis.com. Steve Martin and Mel Bond are certified financial planning practitioners at Oasis Wealth Planning Advisors, a registered investment advisory firm headquartered in Nashville with meeting locations throughout the Southeast, including Tennessee, Florida, Georgia, and Alabama. The opinions given are for informational and entertainment purposes only and should not be construed as personalized investment, financial planning, or tax advice. Consult your own professionals for recommendations specific to your situation. Investments involve risk. Past performance cannot be used as an indicator to determine future results. On behalf of the crew at the Retirement Oasis, we thank you for listening.